Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Hey, today we're talking about something that is really near and dear to my heart, but it's absolutely a little controversial. And I know at the end of this episode, there's a strong possibility that you and I may disagree. So I want to say up front, it is okay if you do not land where I land. I believe there is enough room in the kingdom of God for both of us to have differing opinions and be able to, you know, see God's ways come to earth. So that being said, today we're talking about women in ministry. And before you shut down, before you just decide, nope, not for me, here's what I want to say. Everybody knows a woman, right? I mean, you have to know a woman because you have a mother. You could not be on this earth without a woman's involvement. So everybody knows a woman in their life. And if you are not called to ministry yourself, chances are you know a woman who is. And if you don't, or you're a man and you don't know any women that are called to ministry, chances are there are women around you that would like to be championed to pursue more in their life, but they need a support system. So I want to encourage you, if you're not someone who's in ministry or having dreams to go into ministry, then listen as you can learn to be um, a better support and champion for the women that are around you. I got into ministry because I knew from when I was a teenager that I was called to the local church. In fact, I would have become a nun if that's what it took. I knew that I was created to work for God, that, you know, I had a lot of ideas. Did I want to be in fashion merchandising? Would it be cool to be an actor? Sometimes I think I would have made a really great career being a script writer for a TV series. You know, I have a lot of different um, ideas of jobs. But at the end of the day, there was only one job that continued to resonate in my soul day after day, and it was to work at a local church. Didn't matter what, at some level, it doesn't even really matter what role I'm in. I know this is my calling, is to be a leader in the body of Christ. But yet I was born a woman. And that's a hard thing. So I grew up in a home where my dad was Jewish. My mom grew up very conservative Baptist and, um, and so, you know, my dad would joke, not to me to be harmful at all, but just talking about our Jewish heritage, that there's a prayer in the Jewish faith that goes something like this. Thank you, God, that I'm not a woman, that I was born a man. And, you know, I grew up under this thinking that just because I was born with female anatomy, that that meant I was born to be subservient to the will of man. And I just want to tell you right now, if you were born into a patriarchal society like I was, there's not, you know, it's not always bad. There's not only bad things about patriarchy, but there are some hindering things when you're a woman in a patriarchal world. And I just want to say to you that God is not a patriarch in the way that you may have experienced him to be. Now, God created order in the home. God does, you know, he created man and woman to be married together and for the man to be the head of the home. Um, but there are scriptures in the New Testament about the women running the home. In other words, what we're looking at here is sort of order and protection. It's not really power. 
The dynamics between gender were never supposed to be power dynamics, that one was powerful and the other one was powerless. They were supposed to be together, side by side, reaching the world for Jesus. How do I know this? Because when Adam was created, God did not believe it was good until Eve was standing at his side. And then when they were both created, when they were standing side by side, that's when God gave them the commission or the co-mission to go and be fruitful and multiply. It was always The earth was always designed for a man and woman in tandem to go out and do great things. Here's where it gets tricky. Men and women are not the same. And from one man to another, they're not the same. And from one woman to another, they're not the same. So it might be statistically true that, and I don't even know if this is true, but it might be that more than half the women on the earth are very content to serve and support their families. And they, you know, I know a lot of women who I adore and love, and they would say my highest calling, my, my, you know, sense of purpose, what I'm put on the earth to do is to support my family, to raise my kids, to stay home with them. And, and I think that's amazing because you're fulfilling your calling, but not every woman is called to that. Some women are called to lead companies Some women are called to be innovators. Some women, dare I say it, are called to preach the gospel. Some women are called to lead churches. Not every woman is created equal. And the same could be said for men. I mean, I think one of the greatest disservices that we've done for men is by saying you're the spiritual leader of the home, which is true, but that's supposed to look like this, which is not necessarily true. Not all men are natural born leaders. Not all men want to lead. A lot of men, they want to sort of disappear into the background of life and pop in and out here and there because they're very introverted and they're big thinkers and they're in their head all the time. And, you know, I'm not going to say that that's wrong because that's how they're created. Are you catching my drift here? What's important is being true to who you are. We don't get into ministry because we're trying to stroke our ego. (laughs) You're not going to last long in ministry if that's what you're getting into it for. People don't say that they want to serve God um, unless they actually do, right? And then God sees fit how to position you, whether you work in the kids ministry, whether you work um, with small groups or missions or hospitality, or you preach and you're a part of the preaching team, or you're the senior pastor. God knows what he's calling you to because he is the one who's calling you. He is the one who's dispersing himself. So I don't, really want to spend our time today diving into all the theological background about the different verses that speak about women in the church. I do want to make a note that when Paul is addressing the different churches in the epistles in the New Testament, that's what he's doing. He's addressing the different churches. You have to take those scriptures in the context of what was happening culturally and historically as well. There were women leaders in the church. The Ephesians church, the church at Ephesus, there was a team of people leading it, and one of those people was a woman. Um, We also know that Junia was an apostle. Some people will say, well, that was a, a mistranslation. They try to make her name Junio. But listen, guys, in the history of the Roman world, Junio is not a name. It's only Junia, and it's a female name. We can explain it away, this, that, or the other, because it makes us uncomfortable or because we're not, you know, we don't know how to interact with a woman as our leader. But if that's the case, 
then how were you with your mother? This is, you know, a side note, but isn't that interesting that if we struggle with having a female leader, maybe what you're struggling with is your own relationship with your mother that you're projecting onto them because, well, okay, I won't get into that. You can fill in the blanks in your own. But so these verses, these sort of taboo verses, they've gotten us into a lot of trouble. But here's what I want to say to you. In my personal opinion, and I've done a lot of research about this, there is no limitation from God apart from his calling. So if he has not called you to be an apostle in the church or to be a leader in the church or to be an elder in the church or a senior pastor, then that would be your limitation. But if God has called you as a woman, then it's God who is calling you. It's not because there wasn't a man for the job. It's because he picked you. And, you know, if that's not enough, at the end of the world, right, in the last days, God's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. What's the Greek word for all? It's all men and women. Everybody is going to be used by God in the last days. And I'm pretty sure most of us would say we're in the last days now. So I want to give you a couple of resources. If you're listening to this and you're going, I totally don't agree with you or I'm intrigued, but I want to learn more. There's a couple of great books. The first one is called The Other Half of the Army by a guy named Phil Olson. The Other Half of the Army. And um, great book. It's unbelievably scriptural. And it's, uh, it's a great look at all the different scripture verses that speak to women in the Bible. Um, here's another great one. Why Not Women by Lauren Cunningham. It's a great book that looks at uh, women in ministry and in the Bible, the context of that. So why not women? And for me, I sort of began on this journey because I picked up Danny Silk's book, um, Powerful and Free, Confronting the Glass Ceiling for Women in the Church. And I both loved and hated this book. In fact, at one point I threw it down and I just was like, I'm not reading this anymore. And I was talking to a friend of mine who is a woman and she had been a senior pastor of a small church uh, for uh, several years previously. And, you know, I was talking to her about it and I said, I'm really having a hard time with this book. It's challenging me so much. And she just sort of motherly and point blank looked at me and said, Rachel, I think you're struggling with this book because if you believe that women can be at any level of ministry, then you will feel responsible for that. She said, it's just how you're made. You're going to feel responsible for righting that wrong, for fixing the system. And I just looked and I said, yeah, you're totally right. That's, that's what I'm struggling with. And for me, that was totally the case. I knew that if I allowed myself to dive deep, if I allowed myself to look at these scriptures, not only in the context of when they were written, but in today's context as well, that I would emerge convinced more than ever that women can do any of the things that God would call them to do. The only precursor is that God calls them. So you know, of course, with any job in ministry, there's ambition. There's times where we want to, you know, go after a better job or a more um, fancier job or more prominent job or whatever, in, even inside of the church. And so that is a different situation, right? That would not be necessarily be God calling you to do it. That would just be our own desire. And that may not be wrong, but um, when we're talking about women in ministry, what I want you to hear me say is that when a woman is called, that is significant. That matters in the same way as when a man is a man is called. And so just because you're a woman doesn't mean that God will not call you. 
I remember being in high school and my pastor at the time who, you know, we didn't have a culture of prophetic things, but he absolutely gave me a prophetic word when I was about 15 years old. And he pulled me aside. He had actually given me three different opportunities to preach to our church of about 500 people as a 15-year-old, 16-year-old kid. And, you know, he championed the preaching gifting that was on my life. He allowed me to get a head start, which I believe has allowed me to grow and blossom faster than other people. And one particular day, he pulled me aside and he said, Rachel, I want you to understand something. I think that you have what it takes to be a senior pastor someday. I said, Bruce, I am not interested because <laughs> I grew up in a patriarchal environment. I grew up in an environment where I knew if I was going to step out like that, I was going to experience scrutiny. I was going to experience pushback. I was going to experience people saying this or that, you know, that can't be God, etc. And I think I was trying so hard to diminish the calling on my life. I was trying so hard to say, well, it was for this or for that, or I need to marry someone who is also called like me, which is a great idea, by the way. But for me, there was a small element of that where I wanted to hide behind my husband's calling. Now, as you know, the story would unfold and God would have his way with his humor. My husband was called to start a business and God forced me to have to take the reins of the church. I say it like that because that's how it felt. I did not want to be a senior pastor as a woman in the buckle of the Bible belt in Oklahoma City. It's not exactly a comfortable thing for me. In fact, there are days where I still kind of wrestle with it. But at the end of the day, I know that I know that I know that I'm called by God, that he has uniquely positioned me, that he has gifted me, that he has anointed my words. I know that. And here's what I also know. I'm not the only woman who can say the same thing. So it is time in 2020, in this new decade, and I'm just going to make this declaration. It is time for us to allow men and women to step into their callings, to allow women to take the stage. Oh, let me just tell it like this. People at my church, they probably are like, I don't even know why this matters. But I was at this women's event with Christine Kane uh, last week, and I was talking to a lady at my table. And I said, you know, what kind of ministry are you in? Because it was a preaching and teaching class and it was also for people in ministry. So, you know, it's easy question. And she said, well, right now I'm not working for a church because I'm, I'm staying at home with my kids, which I totally respect. I did that too. There's a season for everything. And she said, but you know, my pastor came to me recently and said, it's been brought to our attention that we do not have any women on stage that speak on a microphone. They sing in the worship band but they don't speak, never opened worship, never closed worship, never prayed on a microphone, never preached a freaking Sunday morning message. And so they were asking her, would you be open and willing to closing out worship from time to time? I just wanted to roll over on the ground. And I'm thinking, is that the best we can do in 2020? Is that the best we can do is to recognize that we didn't have a woman on stage. So we give her the smallest job that there is. Listen, women don't preach like men, but that's not bad. Okay, I can tell in my intensity in my voice, I'm getting on my soapbox here. But listen, the body of Christ needs the voice of women. It has always been women as the biggest supporters to missional movements, to Jesus's own ministry was, was supported primarily by women, even in a time when that was totally not okay culturally. So I just want to say to you ladies, don't lose heart. Don't give up. 
And don't diminish what's inside of your heart just because of your anatomy. Now, I do want to say a note about husbands and, you know, the scripture that talks about husbands being the head of the wife. And I believe that. In fact, I wholeheartedly believe that. But let me tell you that most husbands are not natural born leaders. I think we think that men want to be natural born leaders, but the more men that I get to know, the more men that I hear tell me, I don't want to be in that role. I will do it if God makes me, but it's not comfortable for me. And so what does partnership look like in marriage? Partnership looks like being in unity and being together and both of you operating in your strengths, in your giftings. So what doesn't work for women in ministry is when your husband does not want you in ministry. That's not going to work. Eventually it's going to erode in your marriage and it's not going to be good. And so if that's the situation that you're in, I highly encourage you take that to the Lord, sort it out with him, ask him for practical specifics of what you can and cannot do so that you can be in unity with your husband because the home comes first. And what I mean by that is that if there's disorder and chaos in your home, you will not be effective in ministry. You will not be able to bear the pressure. You need a safe space in your marriage and in your family to be good at your job if you are working for a church as a woman. So you got to be in unity. But a lot of us mistake unity for blessing and direction. Sometimes we want our husbands to be God for us. We want them to be in this place where they're saying, I was praying and God is saying this for you. And that might happen from time to time. And if your husband is wired like that, that might happen all the time. But ladies, if your husband is not wired like that, that's okay. You don't have to diminish yourself if you guys are in unity because he has a different gifting. So practically, what does that look like? If you have a desire to see family time in your home, take a more spiritual turn. Like, hey, I want us to have conversations about what we're learning about God. I want us to read scripture together. I want us to whatever, fill in the blank, worship together, etc. And your husband's kind of like, oh, if I have to lead that, that would be a nightmare for me. And so it just never happens. Because as a woman, we're told we have to like let our husband lead those things because that's what it looks like to be the head of the home. I want to say to you, have the conversation with your husband. Is this something that you want to do? Yes or no? And if they say no, then ask a follow-up question. Are you against it or do you just not want to lead it? Do you want to just not be in charge of it? You know, a lot of times they'll say, I just don't want to be in charge of it. I would, yeah, it's great. I have nothing wrong with it. I just don't want to have to, you know, put it together. Great. Ladies, this is your time to shine. You get to be contributing to the home. It is not realistic that the man is the spiritual leader of the home only. It was always designed for both of you together, for both of you together. So listen, ladies, I know I'm tangenting a little bit off of working for a church, but in your marriages, yes, we want husbands who are leading us by being more on fire for God, by being more outward with their faith, by being unapologetic about what we stand for as a family. And we want our men to get to that place. But if their personality is different, then I encourage you to look at them through how God sees them. How are they leading in the uniqueness of who they are? And work to become a team in that way. So in our home, because I am a strong leader, because I'm a strong person, I have a lot of opinions and I have opinions about my opinions. And that's not me trying to say, you know, Grant, you don't get a place to be my leader or anything like that. That's just how I'm made. So our dynamic of how we lead our family 
is really interesting. It's so different than I thought because I thought my husband would be stronger than me in all these different ways. And what I'm learning is his strength is in his confidence to bless me to do what I'm gifted at. His strength is in his willingness to let his ego out of the way, to move it out of the way so that I can shine in the things that I'm good at. We have conversations about this semi-regularly because we want to make sure that we're in unity together. But I'll be honest with you, most of them are initiated by me. And I had to get over that in my own heart and recognize that that's just not how he's made, but that's not the same thing as being in disunity. I hope that makes sense. So, you know, I, I think, let me say one more thing. I think as we're raising boys, we need to raise sons who are confident men, who are secure in who they are. That means if they're quiet, they're secure in that. If they can have a quiet strength, if they're loud, they're secure in that, right? It, it means that they are who God created them to be. And I want my boys, and I hope this for you as well, I want my boys to be champions of the people around them. Let me tell you this crazy story that Nick Kane told. This is Christine Kane's husband. If you don't know her, she is a global evangelist. She's traveling all over the place. And they were doing a Q&A about their marriage at this event I was at. And I will never forget this story. It was so hilarious and impactful. She had been promoted to become the district uh, youth evangelist of their denomination in Australia, which meant that for nine months out of the year, she was going to be traveling, preaching the gospel to thousands of teenagers at a time. And they had just gotten engaged. And she said, you know, when I got this job, it was the job I had been dreaming about. I had, it was an amazing opportunity. And I thought, I'm going to have to lay down this engagement and break up with him because I don't have time to go home and be like a stay-at-home wife, you know, because I've got this desire to see people get saved. I have this fire in my belly that I need to see the world reached for Jesus. And I just, it's more important to me to be about that than it is to be tending to a husband. So she calls up her husband and she says, hey, I, you know, I got this job and he's so excited for her. And then she says, we need to break up. And he says, come again? <laughs> like, excuse me? And she said, listen, I, I cannot, I cannot forfeit this job so that I can be sort of a dutiful wife. And she said, in this moment, what happened next changed the course of our lives. And Nick said to her, so Christine, I'm supposed to stand before God. This is a man saying this. I'm supposed to stand before God and say, I'm sorry, God. I was too insecure to learn how to cook my own meals and iron my own underwear that I had to have Christine stop sharing the gospel with all these people. And now all these people are in hell because I needed her to fold my laundry. And she said, I looked at him and I thought, yep, I can marry that. And of course we know they've been married for, I don't know, almost 25 years or something like that. And they're travel the world together and all this amazing stuff. But what was so earth shattering was in that moment, you could hear a pin drop in this room of like 2000 women, almost 2000 women, because it is so rare to hear a man talk about that. And I know you might be listening to this and thinking, is this even a thing? Are there men out there? Is he a unicorn? Is he, you know, the one that's like that? 
But I can tell you he's not because my husband is the same way. He is 100% sold out for the gospel. Our lives before we even started dating were all about the kingdom of God. They will always be all about the kingdom of God. When we make sacrifices to say yes in obedience to God, we do it together. And I have a husband who looked at me and said, listen, you are uniquely gifted. You are suited to be the better choice to lead this church. And I'm moving myself out of the way so that you can shine. And he stands there while people compliment me and my preaching ability in comparison to him. And, you know, and even saying, listen, I I love your preaching grant. Yeah, you're great. But we really love it when your wife preaches and his ego is not offended. Why? Because he is a secure man of God who is championing the gifting on those around him. This is what I want for my boys. This is what I want for your boys, that our men would be raised to be so secure in who they are. They don't feel that they need to compete with women. They don't feel that they need to diminish women to feel better about themselves. They can be who they are, and we as women can be who we are, and together we can light this world on fire for Jesus. So I know I'm preaching here. I know I'm super passionate about this, but I just need you to know, ladies, you are not limited in any way. You are only limited by the boundaries that God draws around you in the seasons of life that you're in. If God is telling you to go out and reach this world, then sister, you need to get out there and reach this world. The art of being you, this podcast is here to encourage you to be your best self with Jesus, to be fearless, to be confident, to be fire-filled, to be, you know, bursting at the seams with joy, to serve your family like crazy if that's what you're called to do, to share the gospel like crazy if that's what you're called to do, to light fires around people and fan the flames of faith in those around you if that's what you're called to do. You're not limited by your anatomy, girls. You're not. So here's my challenge to you. Take some time this week, get before God and ask him, Lord, is there any place where I've been diminishing myself because I'm female? Have I been believing any lies that because I'm a woman, I'm not as important to you as, you know, men are to you. I don't have as big of a role to impact this world and really go after those lies because in 2020, nobody's got time for those. Life is too short to be held back by that. All right. I'm ranting. I'm raving. I'm so passionate about this topic. And um, I just want you to be passionate about it too. All right. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.